appreciate Chad and his team, can we? Man, what a great job. Leading us all week in worship, so thankful for the ministry that they're having uh, for all of us this week. And I hope you're having a great time at camp. We had three wins that we uh, talked about on Sunday uh, that we enjoy the experience. How many of you are having a great time so far? Yeah, man, oh man. Who got to do that giant slip and slide today? Oh man, that was fun. That was really fun. And I'm not going to say who it was, but I'm just going to say that somebody was going down the rows, uh, giving a liquid soap to people to make them go faster. And that was really fun. But I told him when he started lathering me up, I said, hey, dude, if I get hurt, you're preaching tonight, okay? <laughs> and, uh, but man, we had a great time doing that. And uh, then uh, encourage and strengthen. If you've been encouraged and strengthened this week, Hopefully we're like, that's a permeating everybody and everything that we're doing. I had a chance last night to go spend uh, about an hour and a half with uh, the men's uh, crew, the, the staff over in their dorm last night and share some things with them and do some Q&A with them. What an incredible group of young men. They encouraged and strengthened me as I just got to hang out with them last night, and I'm thankful for them. And then, man, we've been examining God's Word, and we want to do that again tonight. So, uh, the kids, you're not dismissed to go back. You're dismissed to come right down here, because I got something in my treasure chest that we're going to do tonight, and I'm going to have Amy. I asked Amy earlier to come up and help me tonight, so don't come up on the stairs. Stay down on the, down on the pavement down there. Stay down there so you guys can see what's happening up here. Okay, so you remember the first day when I pulled out the rat trap? Everybody remember that? Okay. Do you want me to see something, do something really cool with this? Okay. You want to see Amy do something really cool with this? All right, me too. Come on up here if you don't mind. So, um, so this isn't a mouse trap. This is a rat trap. And, uh, and that means it's a whole lot more powerful than a mouse trap is, and so I'm going to just set that and be very careful with it. And uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to have Amy just take this, and uh, and you're going to yeah keep your fingers back. What what do you use your fingers a lot for any reason? Life, life's good. Are you right or left-handed? Right-handed. Uh, that that's probably a good idea, just in case. All right, we don't want to make sure you get too close to that, so set that off real careful. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Now. Now, did that scare you? Wow, that scared me too, right? You don't want to get your finger stuck in that. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to set the trap again, and then I'm going to ask Amy to take her index finger on her right hand and set the trap off with her finger. Now, how many of you think that's a good idea? They think it's a good idea. Hey, do, do any of you think that's a bad idea? Well, we're going to do it anyway, okay? All right, here we go. So, okay, so I'm, I'm going to be uh, real careful and uh, make sure we do this right. Now, Amy, if I said to you, there's a 25% chance that that's not going to hurt you when you set it off. Would you be willing to do that if I said to you there's 25% chance? No? If I said to you there's a 50-50 chance that that's not going to hurt you. So, I mean, you got 
like flip the quarter, right? 50-50 chance, it's not going to hurt you. Would you be willing to do that for 50-50? I'd have you go first. Have me go first. That's not what we're doing here. If I said there's a 75% chance that that's not going to hurt you, would you be willing to do that? Now, if I said there's a 100% chance that that's not going to hurt you, would you trust me enough to take the index finger of your right hand and set that trap off? I don't, I don't think we've spent enough time together. We, we don't know each other well enough yet. So you don't trust me is what you're saying. And personally, I don't, I don't blame you personally, all right? So, so let me ask you to do this. You know Kelly, right? You've met Kelly. Um, would you trust her if she said there's a 100% chance this will not hurt you if you set it off. You wouldn't even trust her. Hey, listen to her. She just promised. She promised. Oh, so you are going to trust her and not trust me. Hey, you spent oh, a little more time. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. Okay. Come right up here. Right. And we're, are they sweating? So are mine. Just so you know. Okay. No, no, you're good. You're good. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to count to three. One, two, three. And then she is going to set this off with her finger, trusting not me, but Kelly, that this is not going to hurt her. Now, Kelly's going to videotape. Probably just for insurance purposes, okay? Okay. Are everybody ready? All right, let's, let's count it. Get your finger out there. Get your finger out. Okay. Okay, ready? One, two, three, go! No, it's over here. There, look at that. She did it, and it didn't go off, and it didn't hurt her. Let's give her a hand. Well done. Well done. Thank you, thank you. Okay, fourth through sixth graders, you can go. Fourth through sixth graders, you can go. You want the rat trap? Well, here's the deal. It might hurt you if you play with it. So, yeah. Uh-huh. No. Do not try this at home. Do not try this at home. First through third graders, you can go. Psalm 19 is where we're going to start tonight. So if you want to take your Bibles and go there. And then we're also going to go to Joshua and we're also going to go to the book of John tonight. So if you want to get your Bibles and your notes ready. Okay, everybody else. Here we go. You guys can go. Head down to your class. I'm not how they kept. Oh, you. Well, oh, we got somebody needs some help up here. Who's. Oh, right there. There you go. See, it's scary up here in the spotlight. That was proof right there. See that? Scary up here. All right. Let me just say something about the rat trap. We've been talking about the word of the Lord. It's, it's perfect and it's trustworthy. 
And sometimes when we read things in God's word, how many of you would say this? Sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense to us humanly what God's word tells us to do or asks us to do. Anybody agree with that? Sometimes it's like, I'm just not sure that makes a lot of sense. And we even think about last night, we talked about Jericho and and God told them, hey, here's how we're going to conquer this city. You're going to march around seven times, yell and scream, blow the trumpets and the walls are going to fall down. Okay, you think any of the military commanders were looking at Joshua going, what? That's not how you conquer a city. But no, this is what God told us to do. And sometimes when we read God's word again, it tells us about itself. But sometimes we just have to trust and go, okay, God, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but this is what your word says. I'm going to do it anyway. And we're going to see that again tonight as we look at this, just some really great stuff out of God's word. So Psalm 19, we're going to be in verse 8, the second part of verse 8, where it says this, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. And so let's talk about the text, the commandment of the Lord. This has the idea of something that's authoritative, okay? Something that carries weight, it has credibility, it's authentic, it's definitive, convincing, valid, scholarly, it's strong. The word of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, it's authoritative in our lives, Think about what Jeremiah 23 says. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks rocks to pieces? Fire and a hammer, something that is authoritative. It's got some meat to it, is what God's word is. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So it's like fire. It's like a hammer. It's like a double-edged sword. God's word is authoritative. And and as we look at it, we have to say that God's word is not something that we can take lightly. We need to pay attention to what it says. And so as we we think about it, and I'm going to give you a little glimpse of where we're going to go tonight, but... um, in, in Deuteronomy, in the law, God gave Moses the law. And if you want to write these uh, passages down, they're going to be significant for later on. Deuteronomy 27 and 28, God gives Moses the law and he gives them and he says, listen, but there's also some blessings and some curses, right? So if you do these things and live for me, here's the blessings that come from that. And if you do these things and don't live for me, there's going to be some curses that come from that as well. And so Moses said to Joshua, when you go into the promised land, I want you to go to Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal, and I want you to do the blessings and the curses. And so so I want you to see this map for a minute. Um, And this is kind of hard to see. It's not really too big, but um, uh uh-oh, Noah, my pointer's not working. Turn it on. Well, okay. On. Oh, it's making, it's buzzing in my hand. There we go, right there. Okay, so Shechem, we're going to go to Shechem tonight. And right from Shechem, you can see Mount Ebal right there and Mount Gerizim right there. And God said, or Moses said to Joshua, when you go there, I want you to, um, 
to take the nation of Israel, go to Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal and do the blessings and the curses to remind them of what's happening there. Uh, take your Bibles, go to Joshua chapter 8, because I want to I, I walk us through some things that are going to be important for where we're going tonight. Joshua chapter 6, okay? The na- we talked about this last night, the nation of Israel, um, they, they cross the Jordan River, they surround Jericho, they have a great victory at Jericho. That's Joshua chapter 6. We talked about Jericho last night. God said to them, don't plunder the city, right? Don't take anything. That's why all the grain was still left. We looked at that last night. And we know that somebody broke the rule. Remember who that was? Achan. Achan took some things, hid them under his tent. The nation of Israel then goes to the next place, a little town called Ai, and they get defeated For the first time and the only time, they'll be defeated in the seven-year conquest. When they get defeated, of course, rocks everybody's world, but especially Joshua's, God says, hey, listen, there's sin in the camp. you got to deal with the sin. They dealt with the sin. They, um, they, They took care of that. Then God said, now go defeat Ai. So they defeated Ai. And then the next thing that Joshua does is he marches them north, to Shechem and Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal to do the blessings and the curses. Because what just happened as they entered the promised land under the leadership of Joshua was that they did not take God's word as authoritative. They did not take it as something serious and they broke the law and it cost them a lot because of that. And so go to the next picture here. Um, and this is, a, this is an overview um, of this whole area that we're going to look at tonight. And so, so you can see the ancient ruins of Shechem right here. Um, there is Mount Ebal over there and Mount Gerizim over here. Um, on the top of Mount Gerizim is still a Samaritan village today. The only one left in the world today. Fascinating place to go visit. I don't have time to tell you about that. Um, and uh, Mount Gerizim there. Uh, down here is Jacob's well. And uh, we're actually going to be there. And then uh, Sychar where John, uh, where Jesus meets the woman in John chapter 4. She comes from this little town called Sychar over to Jacob's well. That's where Jesus meets her. And then Joseph's tomb is actually right over in this area as well. So there's all kinds of really incredible things that happen right here in this area of Shechem that we're going to look at tonight. And so look at Joshua chapter 8 with me tonight. Look at verse 34 and 35. It says this, remember they just got defeated, they weren't taking the word of the Lord seriously as authoritative, and then it says this, and afterward he read, Joshua, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curse, according to all that was written in the book of the law, and there was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all of the assembly of Israel, and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. And so Joshua takes them immediately to Shechem and he goes, okay, listen, we didn't take God seriously. We paid the price. Let's not do that again. Let's look at the blessings and the curses and let's do what God has told us to do because his word is authoritative and you can't cheat his word and get away with it. In Romans chapter two, okay, let me go to the New Testament for a minute. In Romans chapter two, great counseling passage that I'm sure Dr. Keck probably uses 
Romans chapter 2 is kind of like the blessings and curses in the New Testament for God's people today. And, and look at this up here real quick. Um, in Romans chapter 2, and I'm just going to summarize this very quickly, but it says to us that those who persist in doing good, there's glory and honor and peace. But for those that are self-seeking, reject the truth, and follow evil, okay, there's no true repentance is what we're learning this morning. There's wrath and anger and trouble and distress. So as we look at our lives, if you go, man, my life's got a whole lot of wrath and anger and trouble and distress. You want to know what the problem is if our lives, if that characterizes our lives, is that we're not taking the authoritative word of God seriously and we're paying the price because of that, because we're not living the way that God has told us that we need to live. And so as, as, we, as we look at all of those things, it's really important to understand the command of the Lord, the authoritative word of God, is something that we need to take very seriously and pay attention to. Now, let's go on in that verse, because it says this. The command of the Lord is pure. It's pure. It's it's right. It's not confusing. Um, it's clear. It's understandable. It's refreshing. It's life-giving. It's all of those kind of things. So think about this for a minute. What would you rather have in your life? Look at this picture. Would you rather snorkel in the Caribbean or would you rather snorkel in Clear Lake? Right now about what it looks like? I was down there today. I think that's what it looks like. Which one would be more life-giving and more refreshing to you? The thing that's pure, right? Look at this next picture. Would you rather watch an old black and white TV or a high definition TV? In fact, let me, does anybody even have a black and white TV anymore? Not one soul. Why? Because the other is so much better, right? So much better because it's pure, it's clean, it's all of those things. If you came up to an intersection and you didn't know where to go and you saw this sign one way or you saw those signs, and I have no idea what the pig's on there for, which intersection would be easier to get around, right? It's the one that's pure. It's the one that's simple. It's the one that's clean. It's the one that goes, oh yeah, that's not confusing. I know exactly which way to go. And, oh. and when we talk about God's word, we would say this, God's word is pure, right? It's, it's life-giving, it's easy, it's clear. Like we know what God wants us to do. It's authoritative. We just got to follow exactly where God wants us to go. And so, so tonight I want to take us to the city of Nablus. And, uh, and Nablus is in the West Bank of Israel. Again, has, has anybody been to Nablus? Anybody been to Jacob's Well? Okay, one. Incredible place, right? Incredible place. So um, several of you have said this to me. Um, on Sunday, I told you some of the things that I've done that I love adventure. And one of the things that I said was that I've been chased by the Palestinian police in the West Bank of Israel. And several of you came up to me and said, like, you can't leave us hanging there. Like, you got to tell us the story. Well, this, that happened in Nablus. But I don't have time to tell you the story. But I will offer you this. Okay, I will offer you this. I'm leaving you hanging, I know. I'll offer you this. Um, if you don't have kids, you don't have to leave right away when the service is done tonight. I'll meet you right over here, and I'll tell you the story if you want to hear it. Okay, is that fair? 
Okay, because I don't have time right now, but this is where that happened. And, and to help you understand that when you go into Nablus, this is different than anywhere else you're going to drive to um, in the United States of America. Look at this picture here. Um, posted around these cities are pictures of these young men like this. And these are the heroes of the city. And these are the young men that have given their life uh, and martyred for their jihad, for, um, for what they believe in. And, uh, and so you see these as you go throughout these cities and you understand that this is probably a place that's different than other places that I've been. And so when you go to Shechem, let's, let's go ahead and go to that next picture. So, so we're going to talk about Shechem. And this is a place that Abraham came to when he came to the land of Canaan. And so he started down here in Ur, and he came all the way up here, and he ended up at the trees of Moray in Shechem. So this is a very significant place that we see in, in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 33... Uh, do we have another map there? I think we do. Uh, this is Jacob, and you'll see that Jacob comes from where he wrestled with God at Penuel. Again, a really cool place to visit. And he comes at Sukkot, and then he comes and he ends up in Shechem. And he not only buys land there, but he digs a well there called Jacob's Well. And we read about that in Genesis chapter 33. Then in Joshua chapter 8... We see, um, we see that Joshua brings the nation of Israel. He does the blessings and the curses. And again, this is just a little different view. So this is a view from the top of Mount Gerizim looking over to Mount Ebal. And uh, you can see that down in the valley, there's the ancient ruins of Shechem. There's Jacob's well. There's Joseph's tomb. There's Sychar. Um, all of those things that we saw from a little different angle. Joseph comes to this. Um, he actually builds an altar, the Bible says, on Mount Ebal. And uh, we've not been over there to see it, but they say that it has been uncovered. Joshua chapter 20 tells us that Shechem was a city of refuge. Joshua chapter 24 um, tells us that after Joshua conquered the land, he brought the nation of Israel back here, back to Shechem, for his parting words to the nation of Israel. And it tells us that he put a large stone as a memorial there. Uh, Joseph's buried there. Abimelech burned the tower at Shechem. Uh, the divided kingdom happened there. There's all kinds of things in our Bibles that happened in the city of Shechem. Now, why do I tell you all of that? I tell you that to say this, that if this is a real place, it's significant that it is and that it can be proven because so much happened in this area with all of these things, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And so let's go to the next picture, because let me, let me tell you that this is a real place. It's a place you can go see, and you can see all these things. This is the foundation wall of Shechem. Uh, again, there's my brother Chip and I. So you can see that this was a mighty fortress city uh, back in the ancient days. Let's go to the next picture. This is an overview of, um, of the city of Shechem, the ancient ruins. And a couple of things that we talked about. Abimelech, um, he... Um, everybody ran from the city, ran into the tower temple, which you can see here. You can see how thick those walls are. They ran in there. Abimelech had a bunch of guys cut branches, put it against the tower, and burned it to the ground, and it killed a 1,000 people, the Bible says. When they excavated that, they found a burn lair that that, that, that tower temple had been burned. And then the Bible tells us that Joshua 
put a large stone um, in Shechem as a monument. And when they excavated, they actually excavated a huge stone that had been broken in the excavation and it's still there today, uh, right in front of the temple area. Uh, let's go to the next picture. Uh, there's Kelly and I. Um, in front of that stone that's right in front of that temple tower. And I think there's another picture of me. Yeah, there we go. Uh, conquering uh, Joshua's monument right there. Um, and of course, I'm going to get a good picture of that if I'm already there. So, um, so, so many things happened in this area that are so very significant. Let's go to one more map. And uh, there again, we, we see all of the significant things in this area that happened right there in that thing. And so from an archaeological standpoint, and, and again, this is important for where we're going to go in the New Testament to say this is a real place. You can go see it. You can go see what the Bible says. It matches what's there all the way back to the time of Jacob, all the way back to the time of Abraham, Joshua, all of those things. It's all still there. Archaeology has proved that all of those things are true and all of those things are still there today. Now, let's talk about how this enlightens the eyes, okay? Because if God's word is true, if it's authoritative, if it's pure, then one of the things that it does for us is it enlightens our eyes to the truth of what God is trying to reveal to us in his word. And I love what it says in Psalm 119, 130. In fact, read this verse with me. This is a really great verse. The unfolding of your words gives light it imparts understanding to the simple. Again, last night I said, how many of you are simple-minded people like me, right? Like I need things that are pure, clear, easy to understand, not confusing. That's what God's word does for us. It un as we unfold his word, it gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. It enlightens our eyes is what it does. Now take your Bibles and go to John chapter 4. Because we're going we're gonna to finish here tonight. And the reason that we started with all of that was so that we could understand better John chapter 4. And John chapter 4 is the story of the woman at the well that Jesus meets, the Samaritan woman, the immoral Samaritan woman that Jesus meets at Jacob's well. There's so much in this chapter to unpack that I'm not going to unpack at all. But I'm going to say a couple of things that are really important. Number one is, it's important to understand that a rabbi, a Jewish rabbi, would never talk to a Samaritan, let alone a Samaritan woman, let alone an immoral Samaritan woman. Okay, So what that says to all of us is that the grace of God right, extends to all of us, regardless of how sinful we are. Um, nobody is too sinful or beyond who Jesus Christ will reach out to. And, uh, and that's part of the story of John chapter 4, that he's willing to reach out to this woman. And so look at John chapter 4, starting in verse 4 with me, where it gives us a little bit of this account. And it says this, and he had, and he, Jesus, had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, weary as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour or about high noon. And so in, in this story, we see that the New Testament, John chapter 4 says, 
Jesus was at Jacob's well. Okay, so why did we go through all of the Old Testament to get to John chapter 4? Because if there is no Jacob's well, then what does that do to the credibility of not only the story about Jesus, but the story of everything else that we just talked about in the Old Testament? Abraham, Jacob, Joseph, the story of Abimelech, Joshua, all of those things. If there is no place called Jacob's well, then everything else falls apart at the seams as we think about what God's word says. And so, so this is a key to, is this really credible? And so, so I want to take you to uh, Jacob's well. So let's go to this next picture. And, um, and you'll see that um, way back in the 1800s, um, there are pictures of Jacob's well that the people around there would use. There was actually a Byzantine church that was built over the site in 330 AD. And you can see some of the destruction um, of that early uh, ruins here in these pillars, um, a, a holy place that had been destroyed over time, still used in the 1800s. They would go in there and they would get water from this place called Jacob's Well. Today, when you go into Nablus, let's go to the next picture, um, there is a church built over this site, built over the Byzantine church that's still there. You can still see some of the mosaics and you can see the sign right there, Jacob's Well. There's nobody in the area that disputes that this actually is Jacob's well. And it's a well that was built like an Old Testament well, which means that it's kind of like an hourglass. It's really narrow at the top, and then it widens out at the bottom. Old Testament-style well. Let's go to the next picture. As you walk into this current church today, um, this is what you see. Um, there's all kinds of pictures and um, and actually a lot of depiction of the martyrdom of Christians over time and the things that they've gone through, a lot of the apostles and things like that. But as you walk in here, all kinds of really cool stuff to see. Um, there, there's not much that usually happens in here, but see that little stairway right there? That goes down into the basement. Guess what's in the basement? Jacob's well. So let's go down the stairs. When you come down the stairs, this is what you see. And uh, this is um, right here. This is Jacob's well. And as they have excavated the entire area around this city and in this city and through this city over the years, guess how many wells they found? One. Just one. And it's this well that the Bible talks about that Jacob dug, that Jesus stood next to and met the woman at the well from Sychar, the Samaritan woman. This is the well that they're talking about. If you go to the next picture, you can see there's Kelly and I uh, standing next to Jacob's well. Let's go to the next picture. Um, you can actually lower the bucket and still draw water from Jacob's well. It's still a live well. And I want to tell you, it is an unbelievable moment to stand there and drink from the well that you knew Jesus drank from. There's my brother Chip and I having a drink from Jacob's well. And uh, is there one more picture before the video? Nope. Okay, so I decided to like not only show you pictures, but show you a little video. 
So this is my friend Joel Kramer, the archaeologist. Um, he's with a group down at Jacob's Well. It's just a couple minutes long. But I want you to just kind of get to see um, one of the things that the Bible says. And again, little details are important, right? Remember last night with Jericho when, when the verse said that everyone went up straight into the city? Like those little details about they went up and straight into the city are very important. The Bible says, um, when Christ said, hey, will you, uh, I, I need a drink. And the woman says, you have nothing to draw the, from the well. And the well is, do you know what it says? It's deep. The well is deep. Well, the well's 120 feet deep. And you're going to see the depth of the well in this video when Joel does something. And so let's watch the video. Who wants to go? <laughs> Let's just get a big old bus, right? And uh, an unbelievable place to visit. Jacob's well. The water of the well was pure, wasn't it? It was pure. The living water of Jesus Christ is pure water. 
His word is pure. That's what, that's what the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I want to finish tonight by talking about the treasure that Jesus is the living water. Take your Bibles, look at John chapter 4 and verse 13, where this is part of the conversation that Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. And he said this, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to, and what's the last two words? Eternal life. Jesus is the living water. We've been, we've been talking all week about repentance, Dr. Keck. Repentance that starts at the moment of salvation. We've been talking about the word of the Lord, the word of God. It's pure. It's trustworthy. It's perfect. It's all of those things. And, and I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know why you came to camp. I don't know a lot of you personally. But maybe you came to camp because, hey, my family wanted me to come and all of this stuff. But I'm really not that sure about this whole thing called Christianity and God's word and all of that. And maybe over the span of a few days that we've been together and you've been under the ministry of God's word, maybe God has used his word to enlighten your heart to the truth and the message of Jesus Christ. And maybe tonight there's somebody sitting in here that is going, you know what? I don't know if I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know if I died today. I'm not sure that I could say that I'm 100% confident that I would go to heaven. But maybe God's been working on your heart this week to enlighten you to the truth that repentance comes when we give our life to Christ, we confess our sin, and we ask him to come into our life and save us. And tonight, I'm going to end with just this kind of an invitation. Because I don't know, maybe everybody in here knows Jesus. That would be awesome. But the chances are there might be somebody that doesn't. And that over the course of the week, God has been working on your heart. And in just a minute, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Is there anybody here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior? But if I were to lead you in a prayer tonight that you would be willing to say, you know what, I want to accept him into my life tonight. And maybe there's somebody here that would want to do that. And we don't want to leave a week of camp assuming that everybody has a relationship with Jesus Christ and they know the living water and they have eternal life ahead of them. We don't want to assume that. We want to make sure that if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ, they have a chance to do that tonight. And so would you just bow your heads with me just real quick? Just, and I won't, we won't prolong this tonight. But I just want to ask you this question. Is there anybody here tonight that would say, hey, Pastor Terry, like God's been working on my heart this week. I don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but if you were to lead me in a prayer to accept Christ tonight, I would like to, just in the quietness of my seat right there, I would love to accept Jesus Christ into my life. Would you be willing just to raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. Just leave it up till I can see it and acknowledge that I see a hand. Anybody tonight at all? You know what? I don't know Jesus, but if you'd lead me in a prayer, I would love to accept him into my life tonight. Anybody at all? Praise God if everybody here knows Christ. Lord, we love you. We are so 
eternally grateful for the living water that you are. We know that when we drink, we thirst again, but not when we know Jesus Christ. And God, I'm so thankful that we can point to your word and say that it is a word that is pure and it enlightens our heart to truth. And God, all these things do when we take these trips to these crazy places in the Middle East and we go to a place like Jacob's Well, all it does for us is solidify in our hearts that everything you said is true, that your word is perfect, it's trustworthy, and it's pure. And so, God, we thank you for the time that we've had in your word tonight. I pray that we could continue to have a great time this week, that we could encourage and strengthen one another, and we could continue to examine your word and all that you have for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Two things real quick before I'm sure Chad has something to say, because he always does at the end. Tomorrow night, we're going to finish by talking about 